Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, it's time for another episode where I have the opportunity to speak with an accessibility practitioner. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Dominique Wheeler. Hello, Dominique. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, it's really good. It's a fairly nice day at my home office on Vashon Island, which is near Blink's Seattle headquarters. Uh, where are you talking to us from? I am here in our capital, Washington, D.C. Well, it's uh, great to have you as part of the program. And uh, one of the things we always like to do off the start is just learn a little bit about what you're involved with now. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the types of things that you do on a day-to-day -day or, or week-to-week basis. And, and then we can uh, go back in time after that. Okay, well, thank you for having me. So I am Dominique Wheeler. I live in Washington, DC, and I currently support the Department of Homeland Security headquarters as a 508 accessibility tester. I have a few different roles. My federal role, I'm considered an IT specialist. The office I support is the Office of Accessible Systems and Technology. Our office oversees all of the program management for all of the accessible system, software, programs, training, hardware, anything pertaining to accessibility, including accommodating people who need access to any type of AT within the federal agency. So we do a lot of reasonable accommodations that support our agency. Overall, I would say my role is an incumbent upon me to not only understand accessibility compliance, but also we do a lot of training. One of our major programs that we oversee and we uh, look forward to anyone, including public, federal, private, nonprofit, and so forth being a part of, it's called our Trusted Tester Program. Our Trusted Tester Program teaches a variety of web application techniques that include the web content accessibility guidelines for 2.0. And we teach people how to identify any accessibility issues for websites. That can be any type of applications, it could be software and so forth. So that is one of the things that our agency does. If you are interested in being involved in learning how to become a trusted tester and having that within your organization, please feel free to reach out to our help desk at accessibility at hq.dhs.gov. I probably will announce that at the end of this presentation, but that's a great way or a great start to get involved in understanding how to become an accessibility specialist. We also have other programs that we offer. If you are interested in document remediation, such as PDF, we offer training on that as well within our program. How I got involved in this was pretty interesting. This is not something I actually went to school for. I kind of got into it over a combination of things. My undergraduate degree is actually in 
global terrorism from George Mason University, which is located in Fairfax, Virginia. There, that's what I would say I got close to having understanding that I wanted to be included in something that allowed me to understand how to identify issues. And at that time, since I got a skinning degree in global terrorism, it was concerning global conflict. However, for my focus program, in order for me to graduate, I started working with a nonprofit organization in Baltimore, which allowed me to have understanding of what was going on in the public school system for students that were having issues with going to college. So the program I work for, a nonprofit actually, they were starting a robotics program to teach students how to pass their high school assessment test. Because Baltimore at that time, period of time, have one of the lowest attrition rates in Maryland. So in that program, I was actually a mediator. So I work with the math teachers and the students to come up with a curriculum to teach them how to pass their high school assessments. Unknowingly, I learned about another program, which is what I got my master's in from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, also known as UMBC. And I got my degree in instructional system development training systems because I learned there was an avenue or a platform for me to continue to provide curriculums to people, regardless of it being a nonprofit organization, high schools, or higher ed, federal, corporate, et cetera. And I decided to pursue that degree because I really enjoyed the curriculum that we created and we actually supported students and some of them of which did end up going to college. So that was self-fulfilling at that time when I went and got my well, master's. I love, uh, can, I, can I just jump in? Sure. In there, Dominique. So we already covered a lot. And I, I, I definitely <laughs> want to probe a little bit more, uh, um, you know, as, as we go along, because there are a lot of interesting aspects. Um, yeah. I mean, going back to the original things you're, you're talking about, um, it, well, the, first of all, the, the, you know, the government agency you work for is, is huge. And so it, I, I, I assume that there's just an enormous amount of uh, activity internally and public facing related to accessibility. And, and, and is it that you, you, you focused on the area that was related to uh, external training or was there more to it? At my current agency, I would say we focus on everything. There isn't, I would say one thing we, we do not touch. We, we touch external personnel that may not directly interface with the, the government, but they may be a vendor or someone in search of having business with our agency. So they may come in and want to pitch what they are doing and to get a contract with the agency. So that's one way we can have access to external. Also, as it pertains to the trusted tester program that I spoke about recently, it's also open to the public. So not only do we get people or students rather from the federal government, they wanna participate in the trusted tester program, which is a certification program and is well known throughout the accessibility industry. But we also get students from all over the world, from India, from the UK, from Africa, of course, Australia, other parts of the world. So we get people from all over. 
Another avenue we do focus on a lot, like I mentioned before, is our documents. There are a lot of documents that are going throughout electronic documents, that's what I'm referring to, that are going throughout the government. So we do have a lot of components that also require remediation. And at times they will ask us to support them. So I support headquarters, but overall, all of home center security is is over 12 different components. Some of the components you may have heard of are TSA, CBP, Secret Service, and so forth. So there are times when we also have to interface and support other agencies across Homeland Security as well. We also, um, recently I learned that um, there was a uh, Pennsylvania debate recently. And in that debate, uh, one of the candidates he required captioning technology in order to participate in his interview. That technology, it's called DHS CAPS. That is also part of DHS and it is widely used within our agency as well. So even in the public sector, I would say, as it pertains to us having these political debates and so forth, there are aspects of what we do in our agency and also in my particular particular component that also are external and public facing as well. Well, um, we'll uh, make sure we get in the show notes, uh, the links that you mentioned earlier. And, and you also mentioned the, the trusted tester program. Um, I, I participated in that myself uh, a few months ago. So I, uh, I dug in and uh, went through the, the required free training yeah. and then uh, worked through through the tests uh, it definitely was a uh, a commitment to try and find my way through that it it took a little little while to get it all sorted out but uh, eventually i was able to uh to finish that off yeah it's um it's a great program i know there are a lot of other training programs out there such as the Web Accessibility Specialist Program through the International Association of Accessibility Professionals that also teach you about web accessibility. But I think I enjoy about our program is not only do we provide you the knowledge base of how to test and the WCAG standards and Section 508 standards and so forth, but the program also provides a platform to provide demonstrative mock websites, which allow you to practice and learn how to apply the test process in a real world scenario. And I think that is very important when you are doing web accessibility testing, because there are a lot of issues and sometimes things that you may not necessarily fully understand. So having the ability to not only check, test your knowledge, check, knowledge base, but also to be able to have a simulated environment where you can learn the proper techniques to become a test a tester is also very important. Well, uh, let's get uh, back to uh, the story that that you were uh, uh, leading forward, and and so it, it sounds like uh, after you did your uh, foundation education, that's where you started to get into working with some organizations, and and so was that uh, where you just be more or less became aware of accessibility, or did you start to work with it uh, as something that you needed to do in your jobs? So I didn't know anything about accessibility probably until my second year of working after I graduated with my master's degree 
when I graduated, I became an instructional designer and the first organization I worked for, I was a consultant for Booz Allen Hamilton. And at Booz Allen Hamilton, I worked mainly on contracts pertaining to Department of Defense. And there we had to use a lot of e-learning authoring tools to build web-based training, also known as WBTs. With that in mind, that was my first understanding that our applications had to be file weight compliant. I still didn't know what that meant. It wasn't required necessarily for me to do it yet, but that was when I first learned the words of 508 when I started a part, started supporting Department of Defense at Booz Allen Hamilton. I would say when I first actually started to really dive in and learn and actually utilize the principles is when I worked with another contract also for Department of Defense. And that is when I met um, the 508 coordinator and we had a round table of about all of the compliance that was necessary for the training this time. Now I'm a lead trainer and I'm building all of these trainings using Articulate, Captivate and Camtasia and so forth. And I'm learning that they all need to have be compliant and we need a checklist. The agency or the component I supported at the time, they didn't even have a checklist available yet. So I had to go and do my own research and create a credible checklist to go through and have these meetings with the 508 coordinator before the applications would go live. So that was when I first started working in the 508 space. And at this time, I would say that was 2012. Well, I, I think uh, when somebody first gets uh, all of the uh, accessibility information put in front of them, it can be kind of uh, intimidating. There, there's a ton of information out there, but it's not always clear where to go to start learning about it, what things are most important to learn about, and that type of thing. Um, did you have some uh, guidance at, at Booz Allen Hamilton or in your, your other contract work, or did you just have to kind of dig in and find your way through uh, to what you needed? I had to figure it out on my own, <laughs> but um, I would say that was okay because I, I love learning new things. And one of the, the sites that I think was uh, helpful was WebAIM. That was where I really got my first introduction to understanding what is, is 508. And also because I was still an instructional designer at that time, one of the other sites that I used that was very instrumental as an instructional designer and, and some other instructional designers were also asking the same questions is called eLearning Heroes. So that is a platform for instructional designers to learn or just to share information about the tools that they're using to create their trainings. And if they run into any issues, they can go with this open forum where you can post your issue and you'll actually have SMEs, which is subject matter experts to come in and they will answer your questions or they may also have run into the same issues and provide you recommendations. So I have found those two sites or platforms very instrumental in helping me as a stepping stone to get into this industry. And, uh, and so uh, since then, was uh, has it just been a progression of moving between different projects and different uh, departments or, and, and how are things different as you moved around in those uh, different roles? I would say uh, 
it definitely has been a stepping stone. I started, I started my career initially as an instructional designer with accessibility in mind, but accessibility still wasn't at the forefront, meaning that it wasn't uh, something that we thought about in the very beginning prior to our development. It was something that was still on the tail end as I started to progress and learn more about the industry and so forth, I actually decided, I didn't really switch careers, but I decided that I wanted to focus more so in the 508 arena. I saw that as a niche area that a lot of people had not really tapped into. And being as though I already had an instructional design background, I felt that was a good, way for me to grow and excel because I already understood the tangibles about in my particular industry from design and development. And now as a file weight specialist, I was going to understand the, the backlog of things that needed to be taken into consideration before I can move my product to production and so forth. So I would say it, it was a stepping stone and I gradually, you know, started learning more being as though I was instructional designer, I had a lot of projects where I work with developers on applications and I had to sit with them and they would have to walk me through their applications so that I can uh, build the trainings. And I also was doing technical training there as well. So in working with them and speaking with them and learning more of their knowledge base, it also pushed me to learn more about HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which is a big component of how we how we test and determine what issues that we find. So that allowed me to be a great communicator and identify those issues in that way. Additionally, we started moving towards towards to an agile methodology and so forth. So then I started getting more so not only to being an instructional designer, a five-way specialist, but then I started tapping to project management and managing different projects in the training development, which so that's partial of what I do currently here as well. And with the documents, documents sometimes are also embedded in our trainings, in our web-based trainings, especially if you're doing a compliance training or you're doing training, employee training for work, you'll see there are documents that are embedded. Those also need to be tested for 508 compliance. So then I learned how to remediate documents and took a bunch of courses and most of um, the PDFs that we make are through Adobe. So I started doing training in that arena because I think when it comes to accessibility, there are many areas you can tap into, but at the baseline of how to start, I think it's important to know how to not only work with websites, but think about the things that are also interworking with the website, such as, like I said, documents. So I think documents and remediating documents or knowing how to is also an important component. If you are thinking about being a specialist at the basics, you should, you should learn how to maybe not be a coder, but how to read code and understand when there are issues within your code. So uh, W3C has also a lot of courses that and I'm speaking about w3cschools.com. So there they have different types of courses and certification you can take for HTML, JavaScript, CSS, which is a big component of what we do when we are remediating issues or 
identifying issues for websites and software applications that we find or have? Well, uh, yeah, so you brought up a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, interesting challenges uh, that are, are worth thinking about, and, and it's helpful to get your thoughts on the web technologies. Um, you mentioned uh, documents and PDFs and remediation associated with that, and, and uh, it, in, in my work, I found that um, it to, be, to really make things work long time for it, a large organization that you really have to get into the business process and, and make sure that the people creating the content know what to do and have a publishing system that supports the right way to do that. Otherwise, you're always just trying to fix an increasing mm -hmm. number of documents. So uh, how has that been for you in, in handling uh, what I imagine is a really large set of uh, documentation? Sure. So, um, so in uh, my agency, when we do document remediation, the first thing we do is we await a, a ticket from our help desk to tell us which documents need a remediation. Then we go and we look at what is the scope of work, how many pages are needing to be remediated, and so forth. The first thing that I do is I will use the accessibility checker for PDF to first identify what issues they, that, that the accessibility checker identifies. A lot of times, not, not all the issues can be fixed just from the checker. So then you have to go in and um, update the tags, for example. That takes some time depending on how many pages in the documents. Um, but you know we have a great training through the DHS trusted tester program and also through our Office of Accessible System Technology that will show you the process in which to remediate your documents. So I highly recommend if anyone wants to have access to free training, contact the Accessibility Help Desk for Homeland Security at accessibility at hq.dhs.gov. And those resources will be available to you. Well, I, um... Another thing I wanted to uh, just get your thoughts on you. So you've had a lot of experience uh, in this area. Are there any uh, areas that uh, you're still learning about or you're excited to learn about or you think you'll be working with more in the future? One of the things I, I won't say excitement, uh, but I would like to learn more about is accessibility in AI. So that is an untapped area that I have not learned about, but I'm really interested in learning about that. Augmented and re virtual reality is all are also other areas that I'm very much interested in, in also learning about. For now, um, the federal government only follows WCAG 2.0 standards. We have to await the access board which is the federal department that updates our 508 standards. So eventually I look forward to being updated <laughs> with the rest of the world in the WCAG standards. Well, it's interesting to uh, also hear about how you're 
you're, you need to be able to wait for uh, approval to be able to move forward. Um, uh, Dominique, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you and hear about your background. I'm sure a lot of people will uh, find it an interesting story and maybe uh, help them find their way into accessibility as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is this has really been great. I'm I'm happy I I could participate. I also my last before I will go. I'm also part of the ICT Accessibility Testing Symposium. So this is an annual conference symposium that also teaches and shares information and has a lot of speaker, speakers that focus on the accessibility industry. So I also encourage anyone who's interested in accessibility testing or, or augmented virtual reality talk about everything, please get involved and come to the next ITC, ICT Accessibility Testing Symposium. Well, uh, we'll definitely put that in the uh, show notes as well. So uh, again, thank you very much, Dominique. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best-in-class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.